0: Welcome back to In the Mix, the podcast for the Legal Life of Ludicrous class right here at Georgia State University's College of Law. I'm Professor Mo Ivory, and I always have students here in the podcast studio. So we are doing all kinds of great things here with our Entertainment, Sports, and Media Law Initiative. And one of them is the Legal Life of Ludicrous class. And I can't even tell you how excited we are today because we have a very special guest coming, the man himself self-professor Bridges, also known as Ludicrous, joining the class today. So we're going to kick off our podcast because we want to get right into some interesting topics we've been talking about related to intellectual property. And so I want for our students to first
1: introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Scarlett Benton. I'm a 3L. I will be graduating this May. Very interested in entertainment law. I actually have a younger sister who just recently signed with Hitco and LA Reid so I want to be able to help her with that so that's why I took this class wonderful
2: good evening everyone my name is James Dean I make 2L here at Georgia State. I'm really interested in entertainment litigation. I'm a former D list rapper. You probably have never heard any of my songs. They're all bad. But
0: <laughs> what was the name of one of your songs?
2: <laughs> Let's not even go there. Right? Let's not <laughs> even go
0: there. Okay. On another podcast, we're bringing in all of the artists and wannabe artists and musicians we have in our class. And you're definitely going to tell us about that when we do that. Okay. One, okay? We'll talk about that later. All then.
3: right. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Nikhil Radha Krishnan. I'm a 3L and I'll be graduating this May of 2020. I'm primarily interested in the patent law, but I'm also interested in like copyrights and trademarks. And, you know, taking this class has helped me develop a deeper understanding of them from a practical manner.
4: Hello, my name is Ali, I'm a 3L. This is actually my last semester. So I'm in my last few weeks of law school. All right. Here. Pretty exciting. Myself, I'm not that interested in entertainment law. I just thought it would be a really different class than the classes that I usually take, so I wanted to change it up a little bit.
0: All right, and has it been different?
4: It has been very different. (laughs) All
0: right, in a good way
4: met your expectations? It it has been. It's been a lot less depressing than most of the classes (laughs) I take. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we certainly don't want
0: entertainment law to be depressing, so that's a good thing.
5: Hi, I'm Sean Murphy. I'm a 3L and a really big fan of Ludacris, so really excited to get to meet him later. I'm not sure I have much of an interest in actually practicing entertainment law but this class has been a really good experience.
6: Hi I'm Elizabeth Kennedy I am a 2L and so this is my first entertainment law class and I took it because it seemed like a great first choice with Ludicrous, and then mostly interested in copyrights and trademarks.
0: Wonderful. Well, that's good because in order to really understand entertainment law, you have to have a basic understanding of copyrights and trademarks and to the extent understanding that patents are sort of a whole different field, more into inventions and processes and things like that. So in order to know what your specialty is, you have to know what your specialty isn't. We had two guests that represent Ludicrous in the area of IP law come into our classroom. The first was attorney Anuj Desai, who took over Ludicrous's portfolio of IP work from his first intellectual property attorney, who was Ayuma Reggie. And so she came and gave us a basic understanding of copyrights and trademarks. And so when she was explaining copyrights being not an idea, but a tangible expression of that idea, and then a trademark, you know, representing a mark or a name or a service that's being provided? Were those new concepts to you? Did you see the link that this could be so important in a practice? Did it spark any oh I don't like this area of the law at all kind of feelings? What was that first explanation that either Iuma or Anuj gave to your senses of IP law?
1: So for me I originally knew that I wanted to do transactional law but I knew that a lot of work in the entertainment industry in regards to being a lawyer like has to do with transactional law but I wasn't exactly sure what that entailed so when they came and talked about patent and copyrights and trademarks I've actually previously taken the class on that so having it in this class with these entertainment lawyers more put it into perspective for me in terms of like the kinds of things I think I would want to be doing sure because transactional
0: work you know negotiating entertainment contracts every day wouldn't make you an IP expert Right. If we think about that wheel that Janai Ludacris's business manager brought in very early on where she sort of showed us who the team was, you know, there was something very different from being his everyday transactional lawyer to being his IP lawyer. And so what did you think about those nuances in the law that there is an artist and he has sort of like this whole team or she has this whole team of lawyers? Could you see yourself somewhere on that wheel?
2: The plain answer is yes. It's definitely a lot more difficult and a lot more task than I think the average person would assume, but when you think about people dealing in these multi-million dollar industries, it's not too hard to justify them meeting different lawyers and different experts in all these different areas to make sure that everything is ran properly.
0: One thing Anuj talked about was about like what makes an entertainer a great client and some of the things he said was that they're not always great clients, that a lot of times they don't want to learn what they need to learn and of course I think every single person that came in to talk about Ludacris talked about how atypical he is and that he is not your typical client. What did you get from their discussion about representing entertainers and how difficult that can be?
3: with respect to ludicrous like everyone said he's just completely different he's just a lot more grateful to the people that work with him because i remember when uh, you know there was the uh, trademark case against him and anuj was working constantly on it and i think ludicrous was in a shoot somewhere abroad and you know ludicrous always made the time to talk to anuj you know, regarding the strategies and the tactics and we you know what was happening in the case so having someone a client like ludicrous who makes the effort and commitment to provide the time out of his day to his attorneys is something very remarkable whereas you know i've heard from other managers where you know uh, some of their clients refuse to go to a concert unless they their demands were met and so uh, Ludicus is just a lot more humble and grateful when you look at it from that perspective
0: He talked about the necessity for clients to understand financial diligence and to be financially aware of, I guess, payment structures. It's always surprising to me that a lawyer would have to hunt down their client to pay, but that's a huge part of practicing law. What are your thoughts about, you know, when you think about maybe going into your own practice or if not in your own practice, but working at a firm and having to bring clients in yourself and then, you know, having to hunt them down for the money, would that sort of steer you away from one? to develop your own work or even work perhaps in an industry like entertainment
4: for me definitely (laughs) like whenever they were talking about the kind of financial diligence thing it just stressed me out because i know that i have to get better at that myself so i'm going into criminal law i'm not handling (laughs) anybody's
6: money
0: so criminal law (laughs) the client calls you up and they're in jail yeah yeah and then you know you've got to tell them that they need somebody to come get them out Mm -hmm. and you know there's a certain level of finances that are involved in being able to procure your services number one and then to be able to do whatever it takes in order to keep that client either out of jail or on the road towards not being sentenced to some jail time so Mm -hmm. it's really something all lawyers have to deal with
4: I, i know but i just like for me like, having to deal with other people's money so directly and have such a big impact on it. Also, I want to be a public defender. I don't really want to mm. have to deal with clients paying me directly. Yeah. So being that involved in somebody else's financial well-being, I just, I, I would never want to have that kind of responsibility.
0: So taking that, I want to stay with you, Allie, for yeah. a minute. Like, taking that deep dive into sort of the business of, the law in this class, right? We've heard from so many of the professionals that work in Ludacris's life, and it really gave us a true picture that this is a business, right? Besides just signing him up for like Fast and Furious number 19 or whatever, there's just like a whole business to his operation, right? Mm -hmm. And that business obviously had an impact on you thinking about like what area of the law you would wanna practice. Don't you think it's important for law students to know the business side of the law rather than just you know case how important is that
4: i I agree that it is important and that's one of the reasons that i'm glad that i took this class because i've never had a single class where i had to think about finances and transactions in that kind of way so i agree with you it is important and it is an area that i'm working on
0: yeah well, that's excellent. I mean, if nothing but the idea that you have to begin to think about these things as a practitioner happened for you in this class, and it was completely worth it, mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you never plan to be an entertainment lawyer, but you walk away now going, you know what, I, uh, I really am going to be a great public defender because mm-hmm. I have a lot of time left to learn how to work the finances of my client, then that's a great space that you were in.
5: Along those lines, it's not directly related to IP, but when Miss Graham came in to talk. Tanya
0: Mitchell-Graham, who is Ludacris's family lawyer. Yes, and she
5: she was mentioning uh, the transition from being part of a firm to running her own firm. It's a whole different ballgame, basically, when you're running your own firm, and that's definitely something I've taken away from this class.
0: Yeah, because she talked about, like, that she had to get workers' compensation for her employees, and Mm -hmm. she had to, you know, register with the Secretary of State, and she had to get the proper insurances in place. And really, when you're, like, practicing as a public defender or a defense attorney or whatever, and you really haven't had to be an employer, where would you learn those things, right? Just the same way any entrepreneur who opens up their business wants to take a class on like, you know, how to be an entrepreneur, well, lawyers that open up their own firms are before they are lawyers, they're entrepreneurs opening up a business, right? So they yeah. have to know. And I thought she gave so much good information, not just about representing high-end clients, but, but about relationships with judges, relationship, you know, the way you present yourself. I mean, sort of all these things that have made it possible for her to have such a large clientele, including ludicrous. Before we leave you, Sean, we talked about the case of Brown versus Bridges, which was mm-hmm. basically a trademark case for Ludacris' Disturbing the Peace trademark, which we all know is his record label and has come to be totally associated with him. And there was a prisoner named Dimitri Brown, who was in the Supermax prison, suing Ludacris, saying that he had used the trademark Disturb the Peace in whatever was his business, drug dealing, and actually sued him all the way up to the Supreme Court. Anuj talked to us about this meritless litigation. And what were your first thoughts when you heard that there was a supermax prisoner suing Ludacris?
5: I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, and it seemed like one of the worst parts about it was that like it, it took so long to get it all resolved, but they, but Ludacris couldn't say anything during the whole thing so all he was just getting all of the bad press and he couldn't really defend himself in public
0: I mean it goes to show so much Elizabeth that entertainers are easy, easy targets, right? And that this person was in prison researching Ludacris, you know, trying to figure out some litigation that he could represent himself pro se, all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States. And so what did you think about the idea that you can just create an entire case? And how much do you think that costs Ludacris?
6: I would say hundreds of thousands probably, just in legal fees and in the time spent. And I mean, the prisoner didn't have to pay that. It felt greatly unfair, ludicrous that this prisoner in Supermax is just doing it for his entertainment, sitting in the prison cell being like, oh, who should I look up next just to sue him? Because what else am I going to do with my day?
0: Right. When Anuj told us that he had to go to some small remote shack and that they said the documents were going to be dropped off there or something. Ludacris was paying for that the entire time. Can you imagine how infuriating that would be to Ludicrous versus to Anuj? I mean, obviously annoying to Anuj as well. Who wants to be doing this, right? Mm-hmm. For a prisoner who is suing on that. But like, imagine you're paying for that, right? The airfares and the transportation to these remote places, whatever. That's actually litigation. So anybody who wants to do litigation here in this room could get caught up in something like that. What do you think Anuj could have done differently to squash the whole thing? Could they have made any kind of offer? Did you did you think when you were hearing the story that there could have been something that could have been done differently?
6: I didn't think so. I mean the prisoner wasn't really doing it for the money. He's in Supermax. He's doing it just to do it. Prisons have a lot of research materials and then obviously prisoners
0: have a lot of time. So I mean what better Way to spend your time trying to figure out how to sue celebrities. So that was really interesting. Anu said one other thing that attorneys want to mature to the position of a trusted advisor. So he has taken on other areas of the law. Once a client, you know, begins to trust you, they want you to sort of handle other things. So he has been doing stuff with Ludicrous's foundation, labor law, real estate, and then Ludicrous's wife's nonprofit. What do you think of the idea of being a little bit well versed? In a bunch of areas of the law?
2: I believe it's kind of essential in the entertainment space. A lot of times, the entertainment space, a lot of the entertainers don't know a lot about the law. So they do get comfortable with an attorney and they're more comfortable with bringing things to that attorney. And it's kind of that attorney's job to secure that client and keep that client happy and keep doing these different endeavors and works. And you can always consult outside counsel if it need be.
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember Anuj also saying that it's all about issue spotting and that, you know, when he was talking at maybe like the financial records, he said, oh, there could be a tax issue and then that he should then refer to a tax attorney in such circumstances. So having being well-versed in like various branches could help in such uh, at such times.
0: Even just being able to spot the issue, right. right? So we've gone through a bunch of different agreements this semester. It's not being able to know those agreements like the back of your hand or anything like that. It's being able to say, oh, That's a description of services paragraph that I need to look into further to find out whether my client really can deliver those services or if this compensation paragraph is correct as to what my client should be getting compensated for because you can then always go speak to the agent to go speak to the film studio or to the manager, to go speak to the record label or whoever is the person that is in charge of sort of delving a little bit deeper. But when you can spot the issues in a contract, you're at the first step that gets your client to the place that they need to be. So tell me, we're gonna just talk about as we go around the table and end the podcast for today, what is your favorite thing about this class, what you've learned and what you're planning to do after you graduate or on the path to thinking you might do?
6: I really love the guest speakers, you know, that was something different for me, being a 2L. This is my first class where I'm getting to hear about like real life, different options. I mean, even the agent talked about how some agents do have JDs and they choose to go into the agent sphere instead of being a lawyer later.
0: Yes. And that's very true. And that was Dana Sims, who works at ICM, which is Ludacris's agent, who joined us last week. And we have coming up also Daryl Miller, who is another attorney who represents Ludacris in all his TV and film work. And he has a very interesting story to tell about being with Ludacris for such a long time. That's another thing. I mean, obviously, Ludacris is a great client because everybody's been with him for like 10 plus years or 15 plus years or even from the very beginning, which is his managers and his business manager with him from the very beginning. So
5: I guess I'll also have to say, the guest speakers, mainly because they, through, through a lot of their stories and just what they were telling us, they gave us a lot of like real world lessons that we you won't necessarily learn in a regular old law school class. So that that was very, very awesome too. And they we'd have them pretty much every week, so every week there's something to look forward to.
4: Um, I feel like there's a bad answer because it's the same answer as the last two people. (laughs) But I also enjoy the guest speakers each week. But I enjoy them just because all of them are very accomplished and they're all very competent so every week it kind of feels like you're coming in into a seminar to get inspired by these people oh, that's
0: wonderful. and i have
4: i've taken that from the class really oh
0: that's wonderful that's what i've always wanted the guest speakers to do it doesn't matter how long you have been a lawyer 25 plus years and every single time a lawyer comes in i learn something new and i go like oh wow that's pretty interesting and then i think like i have a lot to learn and i think i think start thinking you know there's never going to be a time in your law life as you grow that you're not gonna hear something new and think wow that's really interesting and I want to look into that further so it does the same thing for me and it makes me know that each time a speaker comes in they're offering something new to our class that allows you to learn not only what I'm trying to teach substantively but what they have to teach substantively which is great
3: for me it's mostly been like learning how things actually work or for instance from you know, knowing you know how the radio talent agreement is you know what are the limits to it and you know how sometimes things can be pre-recorded and the different voice fluctuations how to uh, you know gauge in your listener these are all things that i didn't really know about before that you know so much strategy and thinking gets involved in it and i think f- to everyone the entertainment industry just looks very glamorous which it definitely is but people don't really see how much hard work and effort gets put into it and so knowing well, what it's like to be on the other side was uh, very informative
0: yes
2: Uh, I hate to do this, but it would probably be the same as three other people who've also went. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it would be the guest speakers, mostly because in Atlanta, entertainment law is still emerging. It's nowhere near the pace of New York, LA, where you have this popularity of many different firms who practice it. So entertainment law is still pretty small in Atlanta. So it's really good just to hear from different people who actually practice in the industry. It's not that easy to network as it is in other industries compared to, let's say like labor law or even corporate law in Atlanta because the market is still growing. So just that alone, be able to hear from these people, hear their stories and see what it really takes to make it into the industry. It's been very helpful.
1: Wonderful. And for me, it is again, the guest speakers. Um, But in my opinion, having you bringing in people from all different aspects of Ludacris's business and the different things he does within the entertainment industry was like very key I mean being able to hear like what all these different types of people do and thank you I call
0: it reimagining law school because I think something that I always felt when I was a law student was that I graduated and I did not know how to practice law like I didn't even know what people did when they practiced law i I kept thinking, like, am I going to be writing in blue books like the whole time? I mean, (laughs) I had nobody as a lawyer in my family, and I didn't know lawyers. And so I think there was no social media. (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) And so I didn't really have a place to go to say, oh, let me look up who Anuj Desai is. You know what I mean? I just didn't have that. And so when I got to practicing law, I was a little bit lost. Like, I just didn't know what people were doing every day when they have their heads buried in the. And so I hope that this will just give you a leg up when you get ready to go out and do whatever you're going to do to just know how lawyers talk to each other and, you know, what lawyers do when they're transactional lawyers versus litigators. And if that gives you just an extra step from somebody who hasn't had a class filled with speakers and and form agreements, I hope you'll look at these agreements if you ever have an indemnification clause and You don't understand it at all. And you'll see that indemnification clauses are the same everywhere, right? So you do know it because you've already seen it. So you can look even in a management agreement and it will be the same indemnification clause as if it were in a product services agreement and just slightly differentiating whether the service or the product is involved. So I hope that, that you'll take this away and that you'll feel confident to know a little bit more about what the actual practice of law is. You didn't actually say what you want to practice in. Um, um, as you, Real quick, <laughs> you want to be an entertainment lawyer, Scarlett, right? Because you have a sister yes, who's a yes. performer and already right. signed a record deal. You better get right. going. Right. I know. Um.
2: <laughs> uh, I want to be an entertainment litigator. I oh. might do transactions because I know too many people who need help, but yes. I really don't want to. But we'll see if that. <laughs> yeah,
0: is you can what change your mind 50 do. times.
3: Uh, patent law, but you know, law. things may change. Who knows? Yes. Allie? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah, saying. you're going to be a public, a public defender.
5: defender. Yeah. <laughs> Still not sure, but I'm thinking more transactional than litigation.
6: Okay. Uh, I'm not sure either, but I'm taking another entertainment law class next semester, so we'll see. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I will see you there then. And so thank you,
0: everybody. We went a little over today. That's because we just have a great group of students in here, more than our usual four. Um. So thank you, and we'll see you soon again. And we're out.